אנחנו ההורים של תפארת לפידות, תפארת נהדרת מאז השבת האחרונה, והלב שלנו שבור ומטלטל כבר שבור. That's a video released last weekend by Canadian-born Israeli lawyer Ohad Lapidot and his wife. They're the parents of 23-year-old Israeli girl Teferet Lapidot, who, as I reported last week here on the CJN Daily, was among the hundreds of young people still missing from that Israeli outdoor music festival not far from the Gaza Strip after Hamas terrorists attacked it on Saturday morning, October 7th. Her mother, Sarit, was the last person to hear from Teferet, A frantic phone call, Teferet running away, trying to escape the massacre, but not knowing which direction to turn. Then, nothing. For days, her parents and her extended family feared she was among the hostages, kidnapped by Hamas and taken across the border into the Gaza Strip. They'd even traced a signal from the missing woman's cell phone there. Her father went to give DNA evidence to the Israeli command center, trying to identify the dead, but there was no match. That gave them hope. Her family started contacting Canadian officials and Canadian journalists last week, anyone they could try to get help and take up Tiferet's case, as we reported, because although Tiferet herself never took out Canadian citizenship, her father and his siblings and mother are all Canadians who moved to Israel in the 1970s. And just as it has been for other families of missing Canadians, the wait for word about Tiferet was agonizing. Every night, we as parents... thinking about Tiferet and what's going on there. She's so young. What's going on with her? We can't stand to be in a nice bed. I prefer to sit on a chair of wood. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, October the 18th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Early yesterday, I received a WhatsApp message from Tiferet's family. The girl had been found dead, not in Gaza, as they feared, but killed right away at the music festival. Tiferet's funeral was held Tuesday in her hometown of Harish, a relatively new Israeli city built just outside the West Bank separation fence east of Caesarea. Canada's Minister of Foreign Affairs, Melanie Jolie, says she met with Tiferet's family in Israel while she was there on the weekend, overseeing the government's emergency evacuation flights for Canadian citizens. And she said although Tiferet herself was not a card-carrying Canadian citizen, Canada considers her our sixth victim, because she could have been eligible for citizenship. It may have taken so long to identify the girl because Israeli forensic teams have been overwhelmed with examining and processing nearly a thousand bodies. They say the task is nothing like they've ever seen before. Many of the victims were badly burned or recovered in pieces, so that's why it's taking a long time to identify them. Although we don't know whether this was the case for Tiferet. Her aunt and uncle have acted as spokespersons for the family, Galit Gorin, and Harel Lapidot spoke to me last week from Israel before the family learned to fare its fate. I want to bring you our interview now so you can hear the kind of person their niece was. Thank you for being on the CJN Daily. Thank you very much for, for taking us and hearing us. It's now 8 o'clock Israel time on Wednesday. Can you tell us? First with you, um, Galit, the latest, what efforts you've been trying to do to help find out and save your niece? 
I think almost any anything like to write posts and call people all around the world. We're just calling for help. And it's so, so nice to see how people want to help us return our baby back. Uh, we talked about, uh, with a lot of uh, journalists in all Canada, I think, really. And how do you know so many? Are you in the media or how did you decide that this was a good strategy? I think it's common sense uh, because we're uh, from Canada and we're a citizen of Canada. So it's common sense. Uh, then we're in a tragic uh, place. And I think as a citizen, three generation for Tiferet, um, it makes sense that Canada will come for us. And so you've been on the phone with who? Tell me about your experience trying to get through to Canadian authorities. <clears throat> Basically, we did whatever a normal citizen of uh, any country did. We called uh, on Monday, because Sunday uh, the embassy is closed, we called the embassy in Tel Aviv. Uh, unfortunately, we were transferred to Ottawa. And there, uh, while I explained that I, I was born in Canada, my mother, my father, my sister, my brother, they're all Canadian. My, grand, my grandmother is Canadian. And uh, we, we just plead for help. And they told us that since the Fed hadn't applied till now for uh, citizenship, there's nothing to do. That's it. Uh, I tried to explain that that's a technical matter, but uh, the answer was, I'm very sorry, there's nothing to, to do, that's it. I was very disappointed, that, as a matter of fact, Galit probably remembers that when we were kids in the, the 80s, the 90s, my mother used to tell us that in a matter of a war, Canada is uh, so supportive and they care for their own people that they're going to send a ship to rescue, to rescue us if there's any problem. Once a Canadian, uh, we were... always a Canadian. <laughs> That's what we were growing up. On, on that. Uh, I do know from what the minister told me, which I'll send you afterwards, that uh, they are raising it. I think the prime minister's office knows they are raising it with Jordan. They're raising it with other countries nearby. Um, so I do know that. And that is what you wanted. I mean, you want her home. but Well, we didn't ask the Royal Canadian Air Force to strike Gaza. We didn't ask and we didn't. We don't expect forces to come and rescue the field. We, the only thing that we asked was that the Canadian government would just tell the Hamas, "We see you as responsible for the Earth's welfare and sake," and that's it. I think it's it's not a big request for a citizen or any Canadian. So you were, you were spent how many years in uh, Saskatchewan? About five years. Uh, prior th from that, we were, uh, we were living in uh, Winnipeg for two years. So the total is seven years. I think it's seven years, the best times of my life. 
uh, a great uh, childhood. I can remember it as a very uh, happy childhood in, in, in Canada. And how old were you? Do you remember? I was six months until I was about seven, seven, seven yeah, eight, eight years old. And I felt a Canadian when I came back, when I came to Israel. I didn't know nothing. I didn't know even the, the language. So I, I was like, I did Aliyah from, from my point of view, I did Aliyah. So what's it like for you now? Your, the bombs, I mean, the rockets, were there any rockets today or it's quiet today? Yeah, in Tel Aviv, in Tel Aviv today, uh, was one time, I think. But two, three days ago, it was like five or six times we were running to the shelter. Um, I'm all the time thinking about the reality. The, the reality here is like, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, unbelievable for the kids and for the mothers and the fathers. We're really afraid. It's, it's it's like hell. It's really like hell. So she turned 23. Yeah. She yeah, went birthday. to this rave. Yeah. Did she do army service already? She must have. Yeah. Before she, she went did traveling, two, right? Two years, two years of a, 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 she did two years of volunteer. So she did it twice. And then she went to South Africa. As Israeli kids do, they go traveling, and then she was going to settle yeah, in she, Australia, right? From what I understand, yeah, she, she wanted to not to settle, but she thought she loved, she fell in love with Australia. I was there also for one year, so maybe. And then she said that she, one time that she wants to go also to Canada and see what's going on there because she was hearing about our stories. And then she said maybe she'll do something with her passport that it would be easier for her. And I was so so nice that she wanted to go also to to Canada because she's already like traveling for one year and seven months. Do you have any children was, as well? Do you have kids that yes. are her cousins? Yeah, sure. Oh. I have a daughter at the same age. Where is she? She's here with us, and she feels that she's she's in a turmoil. She's not working. She's all the time crying. So tell me what. What the family is doing? How are they getting through the hours? Her actual parents. As a matter of fact, we are just here uh, most of the day all together. We are just back and forth to Harish. We can't sleep at night. Yesterday we have been up till three or four o'clock sleeping for two hours. That's the we don't know even what day it is. If it's a day or a night, it's just. A nightmare. Nightmare. I was I wasn't in Ramad Gan for three days, and I knew that we have to to be together. And sometimes I cry, and sometimes my mother cries, and sometimes my my other brother cries, and we're there for each other. And sometimes we look at each other really deep in our eyes. We're asking each other, "Is this really happening?" She was our baby, you know. She wasn't like a, a, a say a relationship being between an aunt or a, a and a niece. Harel uh, and I were her second parents. I was there when she was born. I was there when she was in the hospital. She was in Harel's house for three years. 
when she was in boarding school because Arel lives beside the boarding school. school. Any spare time, she would come to me. And it was like so flattering because I'm her aunt. And she all the time wanted to come to me. And she was a great listener. And she was so funny. Alive. Uh, she leaded the room when she was entering. And she, she, I'm sorry, but she is. She still is. She's wonderful. If you see the, the pictures of her. I did. She's all the time with people around her. It's like she's like magic or something. So her family heard her and her battery was dying. And this was Saturday morning. Sometimes we hear the terrorists have been phoning. Has that happened? Has there been any contact at all made or photos no. or anything? Not yet. No. Now, the Canadian government is, I don't know if they told you this, they're worried that by publicizing her, because some people gave fake names to the terrorists, by publicizing her, you're making her more valuable to the terrorists as Canada is sending a team over to start negotiating with the hostage takers. Are you aware of this? And what kind of advice are you getting about making, like keeping quiet a bit so not to jeopardize things? You know, for... For the families, it's the first time uh, in that that kind of situation. We're not politi politicians. We're not. We're not. We know nothing about it. The only thing that we know is that we want her back, and uh, we denied interviews regarding Tiferet. Basically, uh, the only interviews we are taking place that that takes place with us is only regarding the our plea to the Canadian government we didn't receive I, I can tell you two things first of all the Jewish community in Canada within less than seven or eight hours we got dozens of calls uh, yesterday night uh, a member of parliament called us and told us that he received 25 letters, five phone calls from rabbis from the Jewish community, from people all over Canada. And uh, he said he was amazed and people all over Canada keep calling us and asking, what can we do for you? And uh, we should be proud, you should be proud as a Jewish community in Canada. We know that Pidyon uh, Shvuim is the basic mitzvah in Judaism. And we, we used to hear about it in the stories of our grandmothers, our, our folks, about the mitzvah of Pidyon Shvuim and how important is this mitzvah and, and, and uh, the Jewish tradition of gathering together communities, paid money and did whatever they needed, pledged for help. And unfortunately, we had to face those theoretical and stories that we thought belonged to <laughs> I can tell you that uh, from our point of view, the knowledge that Tiferet 
and uh, other youngsters that were just dancing and partying like we did when we were youngsters. And afterwards, they were just hunted things that we That's thought belonged, belonged to Europe, East Europe, in Kipinev and other places that we couldn't imagine would take place in 2023 in Israel or in any place in the world. They were just hunted like like animals. animals. It's not a matter of uh, taking or hijacking a plane. They flee away, they ran away, and they were just hunted. I want to add to my brother that um, she's so young, they're so young. I'm not talking even about the children. I can't go there even. I don't know what they're doing to her there. I plead every hour. Maybe she's looking at the door and asking, where are we? Where are we? A night after night after night? She's there. And what are we doing? Eating? Sleeping? Getting washed? And what's going on with everybody, all the children there? I understand. Please pass my uh, best wishes for only only good news. And I really want to thank you very much for taking this time to tell us about the story. And thank you for having us from the bottom of our, our hearts, really. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily. We're sponsored by Metropia, Integrity, Community, Quality and Customer Care. For updates on the Canadians still missing, you can check our show notes for the link. There's an initiative supported by the Canadian Sephardi Federation and the Quebec Council of Sephardim in Montreal. It's called kidnappedfromisrael.com, and you can find posters there of the missing hostages. The posters are free to download and post around the city, as well as send to politicians. Meanwhile, the Abraham Global Peace Initiative, a Canadian pro-Israel advocacy group founded by Avi Ben Lolo, is offering a $100,000 reward for information leading to the location of the hostages inside Gaza. We've asked whether they would pay out the money to Hamas, but we didn't hear back by deadline. Thanks for listening to the CJN Daily.